I want to dive into what we're sharing about today. And I want to remind you guys, the Lord gave us a prophetic word as a church for 2019, and the word was, anybody remember? No. All right. Good. Pop quiz. The word was rise up and build. And this was a two-part word. This word is for you to rise up and build your life on God in a deeper way this year. And the second part of the word is for us together to rise up and build the kingdom together. But how can we build the kingdom if we don't know what the kingdom is, right? That's why we're doing this series right now called The Gospel of the Kingdom. It's all about what Jesus spent years of his life explaining the kingdom of God for the disciples and for us as well. So today we're going to be looking at one of the parables. We're actually going to look at the parable of leaven. And um, before we dive into the actual scripture, if you want to look it up, we're going to be in Matthew 13 and Luke 13. If you want to look it up, we'll have it on the screen in a minute, not right now. But um, this, when we approach scripture, there's multiple lenses and multiple layers you can look at the Bible through, right? So you can look at it from a cultural perspective. You can look at it from a historical perspective. You can look at it from, a, a, well, really from a historical perspective. In fact, all the archaeological digs that have happened in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas have never disproved the Bible. It's pretty fascinating. Of all the digs over the last thousand years, the Bible still remains to be accurate and true. Um, so you got the historical context of it, and then you've got the spiritual connotations. And in the spiritual connotations, there's prophetic passages, and there's application, right? There's so many different layers. So I'm going to read this parable, and we're actually going to look at three of the different applications of this parable. So um, it's going to be a little bit of like, you know, filleting an onion, and uh, kind of like if you ever go to Outback and you get the blooming onion, right? There's, there's layers to it. That's what we're doing today, and now you all are ready for lunch. So hang in with me. All right, let's go ahead and read um, this scripture. We're going to be in Matthew 13, 33 first. <clears throat> Do we have it up there? I'm going to have to look it up. Hold on. It's okay, guys. All right, nice. Matthew 13, 33. This is the ESV version. He told them, Jesus, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till all of it was leavened. Now hold that up there for just a minute. I want to say one more thing before we read the Luke version of this. The gospels are the account of Jesus on the earth, right? So if you think about it, the Bible tells us that Jesus did so many more things than what's in the Bible. He did many more miracles, signs, wonders, teachings, and yet so many of the stories are repeated from one book to the next. This should be an implication to us that when something is repeated, it's really important, right? The gospel writers had the opportunity to divvy out all the stories. They were there through the whole ministry. They had an opportunity to divvy out the stories to make sure the bulk of them were told. But what they did under the lordship of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit was pick the ones that we all need to know. I find that fascinating. When we find a story like this that's in two different gospels, it means something to us. It's important. And it should give us something that causes us to look at it with some more weight. So let's go to Luke 13. This is Luke's account of this parable. Now, in this time, when, when this was given, Jesus was teaching to the crowds. Remember when we talked about the crowds a couple weeks ago? When he would speak to the crowds, he would like confront their thinking. He would throw out kind of fortune cookie type things, right, with hidden meanings inside of them. And then the hope was that you would lean forward a little bit to become a follower. So that's what's happening. Jesus taught, I think, maybe eight parables in this one setting, okay? So here it is in Luke 13, verse 20 and 21. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. You can leave that up there. All right, let's explain what's happening here. 
First of all, most, if not all, the parables deal with a man. And the man signifies a God figure, right? We talked about the parable of the fig tree a couple weeks ago. And in that parable, the owner of the field is God. The vine dresser is Jesus. All these parables that have men in them, they talk about who God is. And then all of a sudden, we have this random parable with a woman. Some people suggest that that was as if God was speaking to Israel, because Israel is often referred to with feminine pronouns. Some people think that it was uh, God referring to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you decide what you think. I think it's a layered thing. I think this is one of those living verses that can have many applications. But here we have a first figure. It's a woman in this parable. Now, here's what's cool about this. At that time, people made bread with yeast, all right? We don't like the word yeast. We put it up there with words like moist and words we try to stay away from, you know what I'm saying? But we love what yeast tastes like. Can I get an amen? Yeast donuts... Some of you are having them. You had them this morning. They're so good. If you have a yeast donut next to a cake donut and you don't have any issues with that, nine times out of ten, what are you going for? The yeast donut. When you go to have a really great roll, where are you going? Texas Roadhouse. You're getting some of I mean, I'm really making y'all hungry. Sorry. Uh, But, you know, the the yeast rolls, that's why we have them on holidays because they're good. There's something about yeast that's really, really tasty. And, in fact, the Israelites knew that. They made bread with leaven all the time, except on specific Jewish holidays when they were forbidden to use yeast. We celebrated one last week with Passover. What's interesting about this is that leaven or yeast in the scriptures up until this moment is considered really negative. It always has a negative connotation. It references sin, corruption, wickedness. And all of a sudden, God says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Now, everybody listening would be like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Right? Because leaven always symbolizes something that's wicked. Now, I think one application we could take to this is Jesus. This is how I picture it. He's out there. He's teaching all this stuff. And I see all the people being like, what is he talking about? And I see all the angels being like, oh, no, he didn't. He just, you know, because they know. They see the whole picture, right? That's how I picture it anyway. So Jesus is like, the kingdom of heaven, let me tell you what it's like. It's like a little bit of leaven. And all the people are going, but leaven is bad, right? Leaven is not something that we want. But that's what he said. So let's keep going into what this means. So this woman, she hides it in three measures of flour. Now, three measures of flour is actually 60 pounds of flour, That's a lot. I considered bringing 60 pounds of flour to show you guys just how much it was. But then I thought, you know, get like a first, second grade kid. They're about 60 pounds. That's how much flour we're talking about here. It's a terrible analogy. Sorry. But uh, it's a lot of flour. Now, what is leaven? When they're talking about leaven in this parable, they're not actually referencing little grains of yeast. Leaven in this time frame was a little bit of leftover bread from the day before. So what they would do was they would make their dough, and then they would let it rise overnight. Then they wake up, and the women would make the bread and have bread for the day, your daily bread, okay? And then they would take, before they cooked it, they would take out a little, a little pocket of it, just a little handful like a bun, and they'd set it over there, and that was the leaven. It was the dough that had, was sitting out and fermenting and had the same effects as yeast. This is interesting. So they're not actually saying put a little yeast in it. They're actually saying yesterday's bread, little piece of yesterday's unbaked bread. So this little piece of leaven hid in 60 pounds of flour, there's a scale there that's really significant. I'm not entirely sure that there's a a complete parallel to what I'm about to tell you, but one of the implications or one of the understandings of this parable would be this. If you guys remember a few months ago, it was probably last year, I preached about the showbread or the shoebread, however you want to pronounce it, that's in the tabernacle. 
You guys remember? No? It's okay. Let me give you a, a quick up-to-date. In the tabernacle, when you walk into the Holy of Holies, there was a table that was covered in gold that had bread on it, and the bread had to be made from fine flour. But fine flour in the wilderness is not something you go to Target and buy or Walmart and buy, right? You had to grind it and grind it and grind it some more. It was a really costly process, costly of labor and time and all of that. And then they would bake this bread, and it would be in the Holy of Holies. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he was making the connotation, I am part of the Godhead. It was really interesting and fairly offensive to them at the time because they would have understood the showbread is in the Holy of Holies all the time in the temple and also in the tabernacle. So there's an opportunity to see this scripture from a historical and cultural standpoint as this. The Holy Spirit takes a little bit of corruption, places it into the fine flour, okay? That measure of flour is very similar. We don't know exactly, but it's very similar to the measure called an ephah, which you see in Leviticus, which is what they would use as a grain offering before the Lord. The flour represented who? I already told you. Jesus, right? So the Holy Spirit takes a little bit of corruption, hides it inside of Jesus until the whole thing is leavened. Now, I'm not saying Jesus had sin. Hear me out on this. How should I explain this? Okay. The Holy Spirit, we've got the Holy Spirit, we've got the flour, we've got the leaven, and then we've got uh, the, the, the word hid, okay? That word hid in the Greek is literally hide. So what we read, especially in certain translations in your Bible, you read, and then it was worked into the dough, and the, all of it was leavened. That's not actually what it says. It says it was hid into the dough. If you've ever made bread or pancakes or anything like that and you use this type of, of working with yeast, you know you have to work it in there. Just hiding the yeast, one little ball of yeast, in 60 pounds of flour is not going to make the whole thing leaven, right? But that's what Jesus is saying. This is how the kingdom of God works. So here's our cultural and historical, I mean our cultural significant application. Okay, Holy Spirit takes a little bit of leaven, the corruption, puts it into the fine flour, which is Jesus. And then in that place... The whole of it is leavened, and it's too late for anybody to do anything about it. Are you guys tracking with what I'm saying? This is a, if you have ears to hear. I guarantee you not one person understood that's what Jesus was saying. In other words, the Holy Spirit takes the Son of God, puts him into the corrupted system of the world until he affects it, causes it all to change substance, but it's too late when the enemy figures it out. It's too late. The whole of it is leavened. All right, now you're getting it, right? This was completely lost on them at the time because Jesus hadn't died yet. They, but this is what I think is one of those layers to it where you look and you're like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. And this is where I picture the angels being like, you got real close, Jesus, to telling them what the real plan is. You know, that was like really tiptoeing in there. And he's going, no, 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 they, they won't see it. They won't see it, right? They're thinking the woman's baking bread. They're thinking something else. What's one of the other things they could have been thinking? Well, you've probably heard it preached this way. A little bit of leaven, a little bit of sin corrupts the whole thing. Anybody ever heard a message like that? I've taught a message like that before because it's true. A little bit of sin, you just can think you can tolerate it. It's not going to help you, right? It's going to affect you. But the other application to this that I want us to look at, sort of a spiritual application to this, is what I feel like the layer that God has breathed on for us today. And it's this. The kingdom of God is like a little bit of leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until the whole of it was leavened. The kingdom of God is like the Holy Spirit taking this alternate thing, putting it inside of you, and then you, what seems insignificant, what seems small, begins to affect everything around you, 
and what seems impossible because you're not going about it the normal process of kneading it in actually changes the whole. This is what I find fascinating. When Jesus left the earth on the Great Commission, we're going to talk about this in a second, but not right now. At that point, it's been 2,000 plus years, but the kingdom of God has continued to grow. The kingdom of God has continued to advance. Just a little bit was all it took, right? How does yeast cause everything to rise? The molecules bump up against each other. They create a gas, and the gas makes it rise. There's an implication here for us as people that your life is designed to rub up next to somebody and cause a little bit of Holy Spirit gas to be released, and both of you rise. Might be a little bit of a stretch, but go with me on that, right? That's what God is saying. The kingdom of heaven is like you take this thing that doesn't belong over here, and it doesn't even make sense, but yet somehow it does what it was called to do. The parable right before this parable is a parable of the mustard seed. I showed you guys some mustard seeds a couple weeks ago at our family service. Um, but this implication, mustard seeds, you know, it gets a little bit of uh, airtime in the New Testament. It's in several different scriptures. But what, what he's saying is this little tiny seed, this tiny seed you wouldn't even be able to see if I held it up. Remember, I tried to hold it up, and I couldn't even hold it up to show you. It was that small seed grows into this giant tree that actually houses birds, and Jesus puts these two parables together because he's trying to show you what seems insignificant in your life can have an entirely, eternally changing impact. But how? How does this actually happen? I want us to look at one of my favorite verses. It's Matthew 20, 28. We're going to put it up here for you. And you guys have probably heard this verse before, and Jesus is talking. And he says, oh, it's the other one. Go to the Matthew 21. He says, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If there was anybody who has ever walked the earth who deserved to be served, it was Jesus, right? If there was any person in the history of the world who deserved to have everybody roll out the red carpet and do all the things for them so he never has to lift a finger. And yet, what's the model that he showed us? Yes, to serve others. He goes on to say other things, like not in this passage, but, you know, what you do to the least of these, you're doing right unto the Lord. He says, in the kingdom of God, those that are the least are actually the first, right? He's flipping everything on its head. I think this is as um, confronting to us today as Americans as it was to them at that time. Because as Americans, we're really good at approaching a scenario and going, what's in this for me? <laughs> okay, you want something from me? What do I get out of it, right? And you might not say that, but you know you're thinking it. Or when you do serve, you go home and you're like, man, I really didn't get anything out of that. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't want to do that again. But Jesus, he goes, listen, this is what I came to do. I came to serve. So how do we advance the kingdom? How do we do this thing where the leaven begins to affect the whole? One of the things we have to do is we have to serve. We have to. That's the model that Jesus gave us. As I was processing this message, I felt like the Lord was reminding me, you know, we are so convinced sometimes that true fulfillment in life can happen doing things our own way. But listen, guys, true fulfillment happens when we do it God's way. Proverbs tells us that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. What is that saying? If you're trying to refresh yourself, you end up not being refreshed. It's upside down, but it is what's real, 
right? I know people who have chased after exorbitant amounts of money because they were convinced that was what was going to be helpful for them. And if you know anybody in the same place, it's not. It ends up destroying them. It ends up corrupting their heart. Not, not always, but when that's your sole purpose to go after money, it's not healthy. Why? Because the way we advance the kingdom is by losing ourselves and going into God's way. It's by taking on his way. So serving is so important to the Lord. Serving is how we let that leaven rise. I want us to look again at Matthew 28. This is the Great Commission. And this is Jesus, some of his last words to the disciples. You know, he's ascending. It's one of those moments where I'm like, let me see that in heaven, Lord, because I'm so curious all the different people's perspective on, on how that happened. Some people think he just stepped in and a cloud enveloped him. Some people think he like lifted up like a puppet on a string or something. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I'm really curious to see what happened. But here he's giving these last words, and this is what he says. He could say anything. And this is what he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What does he say? Go and make disciples. A couple weeks ago when we talked about the parable of the fig tree, if you didn't hear that message, you can listen to it on our podcast. But we talked about how disciples are what God is after. Not the crowd, not the followers, but the true disciples who are willing to count the cost and go with the Lord. He's not standing there about to be enveloped by a cloud going, go get a big social media following because that's going to reach the kingdom. Peace out, right? That's not what's happening. No, I should stick to my lane. Sorry. Uh, but that's not what he's doing, right? He's not sitting there and going, guys, I have a plan. Build a mega theater. You know, like they've got these huge theaters in the Roman Colosseum. If you've ever been there, they seat like 30,000 people. It's crazy. He's not like, that's the plan, guys. Piggyback on that. Little amphitheaters all over, you know, the kingdom of Rome. And then just shout out these words and then the gospels multiply. No, he's like, no, the way you do this is by making disciples. And how do you make disciples? We just looked at this. You serve people. You love them. What did Jesus do? You guys, if you think Jesus enjoyed being with his disciples all the time, you haven't read the same Bible that I did, <laughs> right? He looked at his people, and I know some of those times he went over to pray by himself. He's like, can we do a do-over, Lord, right? Some of these guys, they're just, they're not getting it. This is hard. And the Lord, he, he's just so faithful to serve. He's so faithful to put his own desire aside to come. And this is what he does. Never once even in his greatest moment, never once does he say, you owe me. Never once does he look at the disciples and be like, I gave everything to you idiots. Please go make disciples, right? That's not his tone. Why? Because there is a level of understanding in the kingdom that only happens through serving selflessly. Not the kind, like, I'll, I'll just tell on myself. So I mopped my floor yesterday. If you know me well, mopping is like my kryptonite. It's like the one thing that... Um, I wish we could have a dog only for the sake that they clean up a little bit better on the floor, right? Some of my friends are like, you know, I could bring my dog over for you for a few minutes. We have a kid that's allergic, and, and I, don't, I, I just want to take care of humans. I have so many of them in my house. I don't need any other living beings in there. But, but there's something about mopping that I'm like, oh, it's so hard for me. It's, you everybody know, you have that one chore that you're just like, ugh, right? It's mopping for me. And I'm mopping this floor, and I'm thinking Grant was on a, a business trip this week, and I'm thinking he's going to come home any minute. And I had the thought, 
Man, I hope he walks in and the first thing out of his mouth is like, behold, the beautiful floors that were the fruit of my wife's slaving labor, right? I mean, I know he's never going to say something like that because he doesn't talk like that. But I'm like mopping and I'm thinking to myself and then I'm thinking about the sermon today and I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me to mop this floor without any ounce of anybody thanking me on the back end. Because that's the kingdom, right? When, you're, when you got a baby in your house and you're wiping things that are gross, and you're not doing it and saying to the baby, do you love me, baby? Because look at how I'm, you know what I'm saying? That would be so weird. Like your kid needs a diaper change and you're like, like now give mommy some props, you know, because I took care of you. No, it doesn't happen like that. Why? Because that's the kingdom of God is to serve selflessly, right? But what we do is we go into the world and we're like, well, did you see what I did for you? What are you going to give to me? Listen, if you've ever had a thought like that, don't feel condemned, but please do feel convicted, right? This is one of those moments where it might be good to be like, that's not a helpful thought for me. Let's try to retrain the mind away from that. Because the kingdom of God is like a little bit of leaven. It's something that doesn't belong in a whole bunch of flour without uh, being needed, right? It's something, it doesn't, you don't hide it in there. But yet, something that's counterintuitive, something that's countercultural begins to affect the whole, what would it look like if you began to serve selflessly the people in your sphere? What would it look like if you're in school, if you begin to serve your teachers in such a way that was a blessing to them and not because you want extra credit? What would it look like if you served your spouse this way? What would it look like if you served your boss? What do I mean by you just listen, listen to them, see what you can do to help? I was listening to an interview this week with Carly Fiorina. I don't know if you remember her. She ran for president a couple years ago. She's had an amazing career, and she actually started, her first job was as a secretary at a real estate brokerage in her hometown, and, um, and she was the secretary, okay? So what does the secretary do? They take calls, they manage the office, that's about it. And she said, I began to listen to people complain about stuff, and I thought, well, I can do something about that. I think she was like 19 or 20. She was really young, and so she did. So she started fixing the problems, and the interviewer said to her, you know, that seems like something above your pay grade. That seems like something that was that you know somebody with more authority would do not someone like you know that's just a secretary and this is what she said she goes yeah but that's the difference between managers and leaders she said managers only do just enough to get by leaders see a problem and they fix it and they don't care they're doing it because it's the right thing to do i was like so good right we're so tempted in our culture of me, 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 me to want something back for everything we do. But here's what I'm telling you. Here's how you fix that mentality. And I'm, I'm somebody who has worked and is working mop story on doing this myself. Every time you find that thought in you, you catch it and you retrain it. And you say, no, the son of man came to serve, not to be served or however you want to do it. But for me, when I'm not wanting to serve, this is what I tell myself. I'm doing this. Because I came, because the Lord came to serve, and I want to be like him, and I want to have fruit like he has, and I want him to be at work in my life, and that's only going to happen if I do it the way he showed us how. I'm just going to let that sit for just a second. So how do we fulfill the Great Commission? It's by serving people and making disciples. Of course, love is an enormous part of that, but that's not what I'm talking about today, so just know I understand that. But we make disciples by giving our time, giving our energy. Just remember when Jesus was sitting with, you know, the sons of Zebedee for 
the how many extra time when the mom is like, you know, can my boys be on your right and left? You know, I would love, that's another one I can't wait to see when she's like, Jesus, what you're doing is great. And when you get to your kingdom, can my boys be up there? And he looks at them, he's like, are you willing to die? I'm like, whew, that was a crazy one. Everything that Jesus does is countercultural. Let me go back to this parable of the leaven. In that time, the Israelites were looking for a militant leader, right? You probably have heard that before. That's what they were looking for. Why? Because when God was creating a family, he was creating his people from Abraham and on, and then the people say to him, we don't like what you're doing. We like what these countries over here are doing. Give us a king. And the Lord thinks about it, and he's like, okay, I'll give you a king. And he gives him Saul, and then that didn't go well, right? And that was the beginning of many kings that it didn't go well because humans chose a system of government that's not what God chose. And they're doing it again in the moment where Jesus is teaching him this parable. And they're saying to him, you know, they're, they're looking for what is the kingdom of God? How is this militant takeover going to happen? And his response, it wasn't directly in that conversation, but his response to that attitude was the kingdom of heaven is like a little bit of leaven. It's so different. In fact, it's hiding until it overtakes the whole, right? And they're looking at him going, Jesus, at what point do the chariots of fire ride behind you and all the angels with their swords kill all the Romans who we really hate? (laughs) And Jesus is saying to them things like, walk a mile in their shoes, turn the other cheek, love, serve. It's so upside down, but here's what we have to understand. Our culture looks at loving and serving and those types of words as something passive and meek. But I'm telling you guys, this is the language of the kingdom that changes the world. When the disciples did this after Jesus ascended, here we are 2,000 years later. It's that impactful. Every person who has stepped into their inheritance as a servant and as a disciple, it continues to grow. You are in this room because somebody figured out that serving is actually one of the most powerful things you can do. Think about it. To me, that's crazy. It's powerful. And that's what I want for my life. On the days where I'm like, I need a break, I have to ask myself, do I really need a break or do I just feel selfish? Right? And if I just feel selfish, then it's time for me to go, the Son of Man came to be served. I came to serve. (laughs) Don't say that. Don't say that. The Son of Man came to serve, right? How many times did Jesus feel that way? I know I'm belaboring this point, but I want us to really get it in. So I've, I've got two questions for you. The first question is this. How can you serve somebody in your sphere this week? Could be a boss. Could be your spouse. Could be your kids. I don't know. But it's got to be extra, right? can't just be what you normally do. All the mamas are like, well, I got that down. <laughs> Making lunch for my kids, check, right? No, something extra. How can you serve your neighbor? How can you serve your, the person across the street? I don't know. The person you go to the, you know, if you go to the same place all the time, post office, Starbucks, whatever. How can you serve that person? Here's what it looks like. This is what it means to me, one of the implications of this leaven getting in there. You pay attention, and you find out your boss's favorite drink is, I don't know, Sprite. And you're like, hey, you know, it's happy hour at Sonic, so it's going to cost me literally $2 to bless you. I'm going to get one for myself, one for you. You get them a Sprite or whatever their favorite drink is, and then you give it to them, and you're not trying to have any strings attached. You're just loving them. You're just saying, I thought of you, and I thought this might be a blessing to you. And I am telling you because I've seen this happen through my life so many times. It, people, people don't interact this way, and it causes them to be like, well, that's interesting. And the more you serve them in that way, the more they kind of pique their curiosity. And they're like, what's up with you? And then you can be like, well, listen, it's Jesus. You know? Do you want to know more? Let's chat. 
Do you not want to know more? This is cool. I'll continue to serve you anyway because you're my boss or whatnot. Do you see what I'm saying? This is how the kingdom of God expands when we take what's in our lives, regardless of where you are right now. You're an imperfect person. We all know that. It's okay, right? You have, you have doubts. You have struggles. You have thoughts. I don't know. But where you are right now, you take what you've got and you give something of it. And you rub your life around somebody else. And then you let the Lord make the little gas that causes both of you to rise. The kingdom of heaven is just like a little bit of leaven hiding inside of you. It's powerful. So my first question to you is, how can you serve somebody in your world? I just want you to think just for a second. Let the Lord just call somebody to mind. And then when you want to chicken out, just don't this time. <laughs> right? Text a friend. It's happening. I'm wanting to check out, chicken out. It's happening right now. Right? Put, this, put some accountability on it if you need that. And then the second question I have for you is, if this is your church home, how can you serve the people in this room? I'll just be completely honest with you guys. Like when we put the flags out or when Grant and I are the last ones to leave, we take the trash out so the ants don't come in and make everything gross and uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's days where I'm like, oh, and I have to tell myself, man, I want to be like you, Jesus. I have to also tell my kids to, you know, hold it together while we're doing that. But there's something that holds me, and it's a story I want to tell you or I want to end. One of my spiritual fathers he told me this story years and years ago, and it was his spiritual father. He was a youth pastor, and this was his pastor. And they were having a conversation about Jesus serving. They were having a conversation about the nature of serving in people. And in this exchange, uh, my friend was, was you know, just asking questions and whatnot, and the pastor said to him, he goes, listen, um, you'll never outserve me. And it wasn't a mean thing. It was like they were really good friends. And he goes, because my dedication to the Lord is to serve with everything I have. And he was like, but I'd sure like to see you try. So they made this little challenge with each other. And so it would look like going out to the parking lot and picking up trash. It would look like, you know, seeing a need and just doing something about it, not necessarily waiting. I mean, sometimes that you have to do that, but in other things, you just do it. It would look like, you know, um, hey, uh, let, me, let me just sum it up in this. It looks like serving unto the Lord. It doesn't look like serving to try to get someone's approval for it right? And so what happened in their dialogue was they both began to serve in every way they could, even though neither of them knew what the other one was doing. But it caused both of them to have a wider impact because of that. I have never been more served than, than this family in my life. The way they loved us, cared for us, took care of us. I mean, I could tell you stories all morning, all afternoon, because it was a value to them. And it caused something in me of being like, man, you can't outserve me. I want to do everything I can to be the biggest server in the room. <laughs> Not because I'm trying to get anything on the back end, but because my heart is to be like Jesus, right? So here in this context, what does that look like? Like, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on. Flags, donuts, check-in, tithe envelopes, all kinds of stuff. And you might be sitting there thinking it's not that big of a deal, but my challenge to you is can you outserve me? This would be a really fun thing to try, Right? Can you outserve Grant? Probably not, but you can try. <laughs> and why do I say it like that? Because I think it should be something that's a joy to us. It's not something that's heavy. It's something that we enter into. So we're opening this new kids' classroom. We need like six at least. We need nine, ten. Excuse me, I way undershot that. We need ten volunteers to make this kids' classroom work. We have this amazing baby's room that's blowing up with all these toddlers and babies, and there's, what, eight of them in a ten-by-ten 10 room? God bless the people who serve in that room right now. 
It's a lot, right? And so we need more people to do that. And there's a thing that's like sometimes we're waiting to be asked, and I understand that, but I'm just telling you right now, can you outserve me? Because I'm probably going to be one of the people in that rotation because I have a kid in that class. Just because I'm preaching doesn't mean I'm exempt from serving the body. Right? So I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm just trying to say let's open our eyes a little bit and let's say what do we need in this room? So my first question to you is how can you serve people in your sphere? My second question to you is how can you serve people in this room? I'm not asking for like a full-time job. Right? Just, just asking you to just be aware. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you and offer yourself. And I know a lot of you guys have, so I don't mean this to sound like a really heavy thing, but just trying to put some perspective. The kingdom of heaven is like a little bit of leaven. It's unusual. It doesn't belong there. But it does amazing things when we work it the way it's supposed to be worked, right? So here's what I want to do as we end. I want us to just take a second and just ask the Lord, Lord, what's the thing you're breathing on in my heart from this? Because it might be different for all of you guys. So just close your eyes for just a second. We're going to take like 30 seconds. Just let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Lord, who is somebody I can serve that's in my sphere? And what can I do to serve them practically? And now, Lord, if this is... This applies for you if this is your church home. What's something I can do to serve my church, the people in my church? Thank you, Lord. So the key to you growing and expanding the kingdom is actually doing the thing he just put on your heart. It's hard, but obedience has to be there. So I want to pray over all of you guys. Yeah. And if you um, need healing for anything or if you didn't get all the way healed and you want us to pray for you some more, stay here, come up here. We'll have some of our prayer team up here to help you. Um, And again, if you want a connect card or a upcoming events page. They're out there on the welcome desk. But Lord, I just pray over every person that's in this room. God, I bless them to be on the journey of expanding your kingdom. Lord, I pray that right now they would become more aware of what's available to them in your kingdom, what's available to them as they step into doing things how you do them. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to serve like you do, how to love like you do, and how to make disciples. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence in our life. And Jesus, we thank you for that promise, that Matthew 28 promise, that you are with us even to the end of the age, that you are showing us how to fulfill your commission. So I bless every person in this room with kingdom awareness this week, with kingdom understanding. Lord, I pray over every person that they would find um, your presence easily accessible. Whether they're having a joyful circumstance or a negative one, Lord, would um, would you open their eyes to see you in the midst of it? We bless them as they journey. We bless them to have divine appointments this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you guys. Thank you for being here. If you need prayer for anything, you can go ahead and come on up here. Otherwise, we will see you guys next week.